want to encourage you this morning to look to Jesus. It's hard to do, isn't it? Sometimes I admit in the morning when I rise, the first things that come flooding to my mind is not always Jesus. I mean, sometimes when I lie in bed and think about the day ahead, I keep thinking about everything else that I need to do. How will I get this done and, and what will happen? And there are days when I get to the very end of the day and I kind of think, God, I kind of live this whole day so rushed and hurriedly that I didn't really think about you too much at all. Now, I don't know whether this just happens to me or maybe sometimes you feel similar things. For you, maybe it might not be uh, rushing from one thing to another. But maybe just recently you might have got results from tests or you're waiting on tests. And you would say, God, I, I would have spent time coming to you this, today. I would have spent more time just uh, spending time in your presence and acknowledging you with me. But... I just have these tests which are just taking my focus and I can't think, help but think about them all the time. It might be for you that, that you might be saying, God, I, I would have thought about you today and spent more time giving everything to you, but you don't understand how hard it is getting picked on at school or at work. Uh, there are people that are intimidating or maybe for you it might be in your marriage and you say, God, I would come to you, but I have so many problems in my relationship with my husband and wife that I, when things sort out, when things get better, I will come to you then and I'll spend time in your presence. And, but right for now, all these things are taking my focus. And I don't know whether you ever feel that, whether that ever comes. Another interest rate rise. And you say, God, if, if only I can get this and my investment and my other mortgage, then I will have time to come to you and look to you and fix my eyes upon you. And biggest problem is, I find, is that when I spend that day rushing around, it hasn't made it any better. I wonder how we can, in the midst of all that we're facing, come to Jesus. I think when God, word, God's word speaks to us clearly about how we can do this, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, right there is a community of people, of Christians, who are facing the worst persecution. Some of them were, were fearing even going to meet with other Christians because of the danger that would put them in. There was persecution to the point where some Christians were tempted to turn back and throw away their confidence in God. Some of them were uh, taking their focus off Christ and putting it on the things around them. And so the writer of Hebrews says to them in Hebrews 12, chapter two, uh, verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It fix kind of means to 
attach our eyes on him, to, to keep our gaze constantly focused on him. And the writer of the Hebrews would say, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of financial difficulties, in the midst of relationship problems between you and your husband or you and your wife, in the midst of busy schedules at work, in the midst of all that you are facing, fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Why would we do that? Because Jesus helps us in all those other things that we're facing. But until we put our gaze on him, we just want to do things our own way. And that's worry, that's working hard, that's trying to organise things. But the writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes upon him and he will give you comfort and strength and help in your time of need. Reminds me of Paul the Apostle uh, in prison, uh, facing impending death, and he pens Philippians, a book of great joy in the midst of those circumstances. And in Philippians 1, uh, chapter 1 and verse 23, he writes, you know, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. He had his eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. And whether it was in prison or whether it was even facing death, he knew that his eyes were in the right place. This morning, church, we come to the cross. We come to Jesus. And we come and we say, Lord Jesus, in the midst of all that I am facing, and only you know that. Take my life. Take everything. I'm looking to you for strength this morning. So as you take the cup and as you take the bread, say, oh, God, give me Jesus this morning. You can have all the other things things that I might strive for or fight for or want and think are so important, but this morning I just want to fix my eyes on you, Jesus. Can you imagine what would happen in our church, in your family, in your life, if together we all kept our eyes fixed on Jesus in everything that we were facing? All our problems aren't going to disappear, but he will go with us through all that we face. So as we come this morning to remember the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as we feed, as we take from the bread which represents his body that was broken, and as we drink the cup which signifies his blood which was shed, as we look to Jesus, let's give thanks that in the midst of all our struggles, all our challenges. He's with us. Greg, our deacon, he's going to pray with us now. Let's, let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much that we can come before you and, and cast all of our cares upon you, no matter what the 
problems may seem, whatever the hurdles may come before us, Lord Jesus, that we can place them before you. We thank you that you were prepared to take all those burdens upon you on the cross, Lord Jesus. You prepared to die for us so that we could cast all of our cares upon you. Lord, we just pray that each and every day as we come across problems and situations, Father, that we would be able to remind ourselves to look at you and to be able to <laughs> hand them over to you and, and trust in you. And that through that, that we would be able to see how great that you are. And people around us would also be able to see how great you are, Father, as you guide us through these times of turmoil. Father, we just thank you for these elements here before us and the, the reminder of what they are and of what you did for us. And we pray that you would bless the elements and bless each person here that partakes of them. In Jesus' name. Amen. As you're served, would you take the bread and eat it as you're served it, remembering that Christ died for you. As you take the cup, why don't you hold on to that and we'll drink it together, for we are his body. those who are thankful for what Christ has done, those who have put their trust in him as their Lord and Saviour, have turned from their sin and turned to Jesus, repenting and coming to him. When they have done that, they become Christians. And baptism is simply a public declaration of what has happened in their heart. Uh, similar to a wedding ring. My wedding ring doesn't make me baptised. I'm um, oh, sorry. <laughs> My wedding ring doesn't make me married, right? Uh, I, I actually am married. That took place at a ceremony. But my baptism doesn't make me a Christian. It shows that I am a Christian. Uh, this is a symbol of what the Lord has done in us. So today, you're going to see Lindsay McKernan. He's going to be baptised in a few moments. And what you'll witness is how baptism is a symbol of what has taken place in his life. You'll see uh, that Christ died for our sins. And as um, I baptise Lindsay, he will go under, signifying that he is dying to him, his self, to his sin. And, you know, water, when we want to get clean, we have a bath, don't we, or a shower. This will be like, when we put him under, it will be demonstrating that Jesus has washed his sins clean. He's died, going under, he's being cleansed. Just like Jesus died and was buried and rose again. And as I lift up Lindsay... It's going to be signifying this new life that he now has in Jesus Christ. So it's a huge symbol. It's a symbol of new life. And the question is this morning, why would Lindsay be baptised? Because he's a Christian. And baptism is for people who want to follow Christ's example the Christians who say, I want to follow Christ's example. I want to do what he's asked me to do in obedience. And I want to follow Christ's commands. In a month's time, we're going to be having another 
baptism service. And uh, other people are being baptised then on April the 13th. And we've got this baptism little information booklet for anything that you'd like to know. And they're at the information desk. You can get one as you leave today if you'd like to consider this. Who can be baptised? Those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Lindsay's about to be baptised and he's asked me to read this, his testimony to you this morning. Lindsay McKernan is about to be baptised and he just recently was informed that he requires an operation that was described as a total heart reconstruction. They will remove dead scar tissue from his heart and then his heart will be trimmed back to enable the heart rate to increase from an existing low heart rate. It's then expected that Lindsay's heart will regrow and this will help uh, it to pump quicker. Whilst this operation is taking place, they will also dig in and remove a clot which is in the heart. On top of this, they will do a heart bypass. At some stage after the operation, uh, they will put in a defibrillator to assist in stabilising Lindsay's heart rate. All of this is to take place on the 4th of April. It's just under four weeks' time. This operation will give Lindsay uh, a real good shot for the rest of his life. Without this operation, doctors give Lindsay just a year and a bit to live. So for them, this is a major operation, but for both Hazel and Lindsay, there's no other choice for them. Lindsay has trusted in Jesus Christ as his saviour for a number of years now. And especially he was able to draw strength from his relationship with Jesus uh, during the difficult times that their granddaughter faced in recent months just after her birth, just after her birth. Lindsay's often been challenged to be baptised uh, by reminders from Graham Smith from the pulpit and from myself. And um, he's now felt that this is the appropriate time for him to be baptised. Today, he wants to publicly show uh, that his faith in Jesus Christ is true by being baptised. He wants to today ensure that as he prepares for his operation, he's responding in obedience to all that God asks of him. Many people have been a real blessing in Lindsay and Hazel's Christian walk. And I'd like to thank Dick and Anne Martin, Graham and Maria Smith, Alan and Joan Cummins, Joan Brading and the prayer group, Gail Hill and Jonathan and Mandy, and I'd like to thank all of you here as well. Hazel was baptised at this church a number of years ago and it's a joy for her to witness Lindsay's baptism this morning. They want to thank you very much for witnessing this important moment and they ask for your ongoing prayers and love and support for all that they face ahead. Right now, we've asked Gail to just come and pray for Lindsay um, as he comes to be baptised.
Let's pray. Oh, precious Lord, thank you that you're a gracious, majestic and mighty God. Thank you that you are a jealous and consuming God, that your desire is to bless us in all we do, but we need to remain in you. Thank you for our lives, the number of days you give to us, each having potential and opportunity to be used for blessing and worship. Oh Lord, today we hold up before you, dear Lindsay, thank you for all that you have allotted to him in his life. Thank you for his witness and testimony that is never too late to truly love you with all of our hearts, with all of our soul and with all of our mind and to be obedient to your word. Thank you, Lord, that despite the real danger and seriousness of Lindsay's forthcoming operation, he is putting first things first and publicly today witnessing that no matter what life brings, you are to be honoured, you are to be glorified, you are to be worshipped with our whole bodies. We know that you hold him in the palm of your hand. We know that the, he loves you and that you love him. Bless him today and in his forthcoming uh, surgery and operation. Cause him to go on and be a testament to all your goodness, all your mercy, all your power and grace. Lord, we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. And now, well, God is an awesome God, isn't he? Uh, Today we've been uh, witnessing together what God calls us to. He calls each and every person to respond to him through faith in Jesus Christ. Then to make a public declaration of our faith in him. Uh, A city on a hill cannot be hidden. He, He wants us to declare that we love Jesus and live for him. And we've witnessed Lindsay's baptism today. But it doesn't stop there. For each and every person who's called to become a follower of Christ and to be, respond in obedience through baptism, God calls us to go, to go into all the world, to take the good news in whatever way we can so that others would come to know him. James and Carolyn Punton have felt uh, God strongly uh, calling them and they've made some radical changes in the last six to eight months. And uh, this year, an adventure has unfolded for them at uh, La Trobe Uni Wodonga. And we would just love uh, for you to hear from them this morning. Uh, they shared with the church meeting, the members at the church meeting last year, about what uh, God was calling them to. And together, we listened and we have really said, together as a church, we want to support them and encourage them. So they're going to come and share now. And then as you listen, just be aware that after that, we're going to pray for them, uh, for all that lies ahead of them and all that lies ahead for this year. And then we're going to ask you uh, to prayerfully consider uh, as you come next week for a special offering for them. So why don't you welcome James and Carolyn Punton. Let's welcome them now.
Thanks, Jono. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for giving us an opportunity to just share with you today some of the things that have been happening in our life. Um, but if you, don't, if you don't remember anything else this morning, please remember that Lindsay made an awesome commitment to follow Jesus, and that's, that's fantastic. Um, I want to share with you this morning a few brief thoughts from Colossians chapter 2 uh, before Carolyn comes up and shares some, um, some of the things that are actually happening in our lives personally and some of the things we're learning, some of the challenges we're up against and some of the exciting things that are happening on campus at La Trobe Uni. But um, briefly, I'll just share with you from Colossians chapter 2. You may have seen um, this month's Baptist Witness, an article there by a gentleman from Ballarat, a student outreach worker in Ballarat, Harvey Bishop. He talks about university ministry in Australia uh, and some of the challenges that are facing university students of this country. He quotes an AFES pamphlet um, which says that over 80% of Christian students fall away from their faith during their time at university. He goes on to say that university and other higher education often becomes a spiritual graveyard for many Christian students, a place where they wander from their faith. Culture shock, loneliness, a party environment and peer pressure result in students leaving their family foundations when they're on their own. And he concludes in the last line of the article, and it's a great one, I encourage you to read it if you can. He says it's crucial that university students get connected with other Christian students and continue to walk with the Lord. Paul says some similar words in Colossians chapter 2. In verse, in verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Philosophy and empty deceit. Now, if you want to get into some philosophy, a good place to start is university. Now, at university, you can absorb all kinds of philosophy, and some of these streams of philosophy are okay. They're good to think through, and they help us as Christians to improve our worldview, and sometimes they can make us stronger in our faith. But many philosophies at uni have dragged people away from God. Over the past couple of hundred years, we've seen the results of this in our culture, but at uni, you can still get into all sorts of philosophical and political activism that undermines God's authority in the world. But, I mean, philosophy is for the academics. What about the rest of us? Normal people, particularly me. Well, check out Empty Deceit. Empty Deceit says something like this. Just get through uni, study hard, get good marks, get a good job, build a successful career, travel the world, have a nice life, you won't upset too many people, and most of all, you don't really need to worry about God anymore because he died in the 50s. That's Empty Deceit. We live in a pluralistic society that has educated itself out of the need for God. Empty deceits don't breed militant atheistic, Christian, uh, militant atheistic students who attack Christians. They just breed a generation of hollow people. And you only need to walk around the university campuses of this city to find that out. People that say, you can believe what you like. Just don't upset anyone else. And most of all, don't tell me that I'm wrong. Friends, it's a bleak picture out there at university. But this isn't even the end of the story. This, in fact, this has nothing to do with the story. Because I want to share with you the underlying motivation of what makes Carol and I want to get out to university campuses to minister to students. And also the underlying motivation, I think, of Paul's ministry and of all ministry. See, so in verses 6 and 7, he says, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
And then in verse 9, For in him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Paul goes on to state what I believe is the underlying motivation of all Christian ministry. He goes on to lift us out of the challenges that we can see in the world around us and the problems of being a Christian in today's world, and he hits us between the eyes with the power and the awesomeness of the God we're dealing with. Paul lifts our eyes to see Jesus Christ as the centrepiece of humanity. Jesus Christ stands over and against the problems we see of the culture of our day. And he becomes to us the embodiment of the fullness of God. Jesus Christ is the entire being of God. So everything we know about God and everything we don't know about God and all the things we know we don't know about God can be found in Jesus Christ. And not only that, but Paul says we are filled in him, which is like saying that without Jesus, we're not really complete. Now, I'm sure that this is the personal story for most of us here this morning who follow Jesus. But Paul is ramming home this key. Christians are accepted into God, and acceptance made possible only by Jesus. Now, if you walk into the Latrobe University foyer, you'll see uh, in the library in the foyer a picture of the Vice-Chancellor of Latrobe University. Uh, he's hanging up, on, up there on the wall, and he's looking down on the students and staff that walk through the library. Now, I'm sure he's a good bloke. I'm sure he's a good authority to the students who study on his campus and the staff who work underneath him. But Paul reminds us again, further on in, the end, in uh, verse nine, uh, sorry, verse 10, Paul reminds us that Jesus Christ claims authority over the pro-vice-chancellor of Latrobe University. And not only that, but Jesus Christ owns every student on campus and every staff member who works for Latrobe University. And as verses 6 and 7 show, he will use them to build his kingdom and he will cause them to be rooted and established in faith. And this is the basis of our ministry. The authority of Jesus over every person on every campus of every university in the world. And that includes Latrobe University, Wodonga, Charles Sturt University, Albury. It's true, we may be fighting an uphill battle against statistics. We may see 80% of students fall away from their faith. We may look on as philosophy and empty deceit claims another student during O-Week to a party lifestyle and then as they go on to think that education solves their need for any type of God. But that's not what motivates us. The sad facts are not the driving force behind ministry. It's Jesus and his authority as he has power to bring students into relationship with him and he can cause them to be rooted and established in their faith. And he can cause them to have a relationship with the living God. Ever since Carolyn and I have been followers of Jesus, we've seen this authority in our lives change us to be more like Christ. And we believe that his authority over all people everywhere will cause others to follow him too. So we simply fall in behind the leader. We simply fall in behind the king. And we continue to faithfully serve him. And in our case, it's Latrobe University, Wodonga. In our case, it's amongst uni students. It may not be with you, but it's the same principle. That's what motivates student ministry. And that's how Carol and I plan to serve Christ in Aubrey, Wodonga at universities. So I'm going to speak um, now a bit more about the practicalities of who, um, 
what we're doing, I suppose, but who we're working for. And so James mentioned AFES, which stands for Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students. And that's a uh, non-denominational mission organisation that reaches out to students in Australian campuses. Um, has over about um, 50 student groups on campuses throughout each st state and territory, but also employs 120 staff, which we ourselves are, um, to help train and encourage students in their um, faith and to, so that they might grow um, in their faith, but particularly that they might also see that they are witnesses on campus, that campus is a place where they too can be missionaries and it's not just the work of us as staff. So the actual mission statement for AFES is based upon Colossians 1.28, which says, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we might present everyone perfect in Christ. The assumption of this verse is that the gospel needs to be made known, but that we also need to be continually reformed from scripture in order to be made mature in him. And so Christian students, as you've heard, are under extreme and strong resistance from unis in their faith and will hear much um, other um, ways that you can turn, you know, other gods that they can follow. But many, therefore, wander away from Christ. So that's why AFES was established and has been going for many years. Um, the hope is that we present everyone perfect in Christ. And this includes the churched, but also the non-churched, the international students, the atheists, the Muslims, the list goes on. So the process for presenting everyone perfect in Christ within universities, um, it's basically a four-step process. It's not this concrete, but this is essentially the four steps that we focus on. Evangelism, so uh, evangelising students by proclaiming Christ is Lord, through encouraging growth towards maturity in, the, in Christ, through training students in their skills and in their character to serve um, their people, but also to serve Jesus in the world and then eventually to send graduates out into the world and throughout Australia to serve Christ. It's a strategy that has the individual student in mind initially to present um, to them the gospel and to train them in righteousness. But it also has a bigger picture in view, which is to equip and support these students to then reach the world and to respond to God's call to make them disciples of all nations. So why have James and I chosen to work with AFES? Essentially, James has already given that motivation. It's because we believe in the mission and the call to present all people perfect in Christ. But it's also because we've personally experienced um, how valuable AFES is as a group at camp on campus while we're both at uni. I arrived at uni at La Trobe in Bandura as a Christian, but it wasn't until I became a part of that group when I heard the gospel and grasped the gospel for what it really is. It's not just a nice story about Jesus that's only relevant for Christian or church type, but it is the power of salvation for all who believe. It's not something we should be ashamed of. I saw the power of the gospel working in many students' lives. I saw many students come to Christ while I was at uni. But I also saw Christians who were at uni not just clinging on to their faith against the pressure, just hanging, hanging on by their fingernails, but I saw them thriving as witnesses for Christ on campus. So we've chosen to do this as well because we are able to. We are able because we're equipped with the power of the gospel, not because of our own special skills, but because of the gospel. But also we're able because we're actually being supported. We're supported by Chris Little, who is an AFES worker um, who's experienced, and he's doing the same at Charles Sturt Uni. So he'll be mentoring us and training us. We're supported by AFES, the organisation, who will provide us with resources and further training 
We're also supported by you, our local church, and that's what makes us able. Being able, though, doesn't mean we're all together. We have it all together. It doesn't mean we're especially unique, and it doesn't mean that we're especially gifted over and above anyone else. James and I actually do anticipate a fair struggle. First, we're quite young and we're inexperienced. We're at, I feel, in a way, we're out of our depth at La Trobe Uni. La Trobe, here in Wodonga, has never had any outreach on it before that it has sustained and remained there. So we're going to be establishing something that's new and um, we're going to be on our own, essentially. So we have heaps to learn and I'm sure we're going to make lots of mistakes, but that's why we've also chosen to do this ministry, not on our own, but as what we call trainee staff or apprentices under Chris Little. We'll be guided and trained by him and it will particularly be focusing on personal training goals for ourselves. So we'll be focusing on things such as um, becoming familiar with different worldviews so that we can be equipped to share the gospel with all sorts of people. So we'll also be working on things like becoming more confident with learning and preparing um, Bible studies and Bible talks. We'll be de- hopefully developing um, personal prayer habits and learning how to also then help students to develop personal holiness, to be developing their own evangelism and also to develop student leaders. There will be many, many more goals that we'll have during this time. So this ministry is not just about helping the students be presented perfect in Christ, but hopefully through that process, James and I also will be um, matured and perfected in our faith. So just a tiny wrap-up of what we've actually done so far. We've spent about four weeks at La Trobe Uni. Um, Initially, uh, we've actually established a group which we've called UBS, or Uni Bible Study, and we found um, about 15 to 20 students who have Christian students coming out of the woodwork, some of them through personal contact, some through church, some and um, from O-Week where we spent some time personally inviting people and advertising. So it's been fantastic already. We've got a fairly uh, big core group. We've begun a weekly uh, Bible study, which we're initially going to be doing a series on Mark. And this is probably the main time where as a group we'll meet together to go through God's word and learn from each other and get to know each other. But James and I will also be personally following up um, individual students and getting to know them, encouraging them in their faith, going through the Bible with them and helping them um, grow. And I think this is going to be one of the most exciting times where we'll have the privilege to witness uh, God's Spirit transforming each of their lives. So exciting when, for example, they come to first grasp the concept of grace or where they start to make changes in their personal holiness or when they start to see that they can share their faith and become confident in the power of the gospel to save others. And this weekend, for example, we also had kickoff camp, which a number of us attended down at the Weir, which was a great time where um, I found invaluable just to start to build closer relationships and trust with the students as we're still in the early stages. But we'll have plenty of other camps, conferences and much more things happening throughout the year, which hopefully will continue to build a strong community, but also see them changing and growing in their faith. So we're looking forward to so much, which I'm sure God has in store for us but also the students and for La Trobe Uni. So that's just about it. But at the end of this, um, today, James and I are most happy to chat to you about what we're doing if you have further questions. We also do like to send out a support letter just to um, about once a month, just to people who would like to know what we're doing and where we're up to. So please also let us know if you'd like to get that. But um, the main thing we'd like you to do is to pray, to pray for La Trobe Uni, pray for the world, but pray for us and our students that we might persevere in the call to be presented perfect in Christ.
Great, thank you. That's pretty inspiring, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what is uh, just true of James and Carolyn is that they would just, uh, they really value our support as a church. They really appreciate the fact that we want to encourage them and pray for them and get behind them uh, in any way that we can. Um, there's ways that you can support is by coming next Sunday, this week, praying, God, how much over and above my regular uh, offering can I give to James and Carolyn in their work? And uh, we just encourage you to pray, pray about that. Really seek God about that one. And then it might be that this morning too you have sensed, wow, I'd really just like to regularly um, give to them over and above my regular giving. I'd like to commit a regular amount. And they have a form here which would just be a, a great way to know there's this much coming in each week so we can keep focusing on what God's called us to uh, in ministry. And we'd love you to uh, grab one of those. You can, they'll be up the back to talk to them uh, as well. And um, we'd just love you to do that. Right now... Uh, we want to pray for them together. Uh, Phil's, Phil's going to lead us in prayer and I'll pray too. And we just ask if there's anybody else who'd just like to come up now and uh, put a hand on them as we pray. And why don't you all stand, church, as we commit them uh, to all they're doing this year. So why don't you just come here and, and, and pray. And come up if you'd like to pray too with them. Great. That's it. Great. Yep, come right up. Good. Probably fit the whole church up as well if you want to come. It's fantastic. Great. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for, uh, so much first and foremost for your great love for us in Jesus. Uh, that each one of us here today with our faith in you are seen now as holy and uh, without blemish because of this amazing sacrifice of your Son on the cross. And we thank you. We all love you so much, God. And we, we want to live lives that please you. Father God, we thank you so much that James and Carolyn have met this love. And now this love uh, that they know of you, they want to share that into the world. And specifically um, this year, God, at Latrobe Uni in Wodonga. Father God, would you bless them? Would you just fill them with such courage um, for their ministry? Lord Jesus, would you fill them with such uh, a wisdom beyond their years, Lord God, as they seek to depend on your Spirit's guidance, God? Um, Father God, would you um, establish a core group of students there, Father, that they can gather together and encourage one another to live for you on that campus. And Father God, may many people come to know you, Jesus, through the ministry, Father. Would you just see many people come to acknowledge you as Lord and Saviour, to find forgiveness, to find freedom from sin, to meet the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, grow them. Grow them, Lord Jesus, that they may too um, become more mature. May they grow towards perfection. Father God, through the power of your Spirit, we pray. And God, as a church, we just ask that you would uh, help us to be those that continue, continually support them, mm -hmm. hold them up in our prayers, that That's ask right. them how they're going and encourage them. And we pray that as James and Carolyn go on to that campus each week, as they run Bible studies, they would know that we are with them. God, through the hard times, through the challenges, be their strength. God, through the bold steps of faith that they will need to take, through the stepping out, out of their comfort zone to ask people to follow you, be their strength, Lord. May they know your love and our support as they face this year together. Oh God, supply all their needs, we pray, according to your riches in glory 
In Jesus' name, amen. Great. God bless you guys.